I knew her when I was at university with her at Cambridge. She was kind of amused by our quirky English style, as she would always call it. She tried to emulate a, a fairy tale status, which we found quite funny because essentially Cambridge is sitting and sweating in tracksuit bottoms and eating baked beans, trying to meet deadlines from horrible professors. I think we were always like pretty impressed by her ingenuity. But I think the, the sort of narrative she wanted to create around herself, people definitely bought into that and would hang out with her more. I remember we were all at breakfast and she told us that she had this thing called Instagram. Me and my friends checked her out. We were amused by her captions, basically. We'd never seen anyone doing anything like that before. I think people were most intrigued by her because she really presented herself as a writer and then she was doing her writing in this way which was totally like nothing we'd ever seen before. And that probably fitted quite well into her narrative of like uh, an American in England. The woman being talked about there by our colleague Naomi Paulus is social media celebrity Caroline Kellaway. And what Naomi witnessed was the birth of a phenomenon. Soon after Caroline Kellaway started that Instagram account, she achieved internet fame. Or as we call it here, fame. Caroline Kellaway amassed nearly a million followers on Instagram. But recently she found herself in the middle of a controversy over a planned tour that seemed to go completely wrong. Welcome to the BBC Trending Podcast. I'm Mike Wendling, and this week, the story of a social media influencer and what happens when fans turn on them. Anissa Subedar is our reporter. Mike, this story has sparked a huge online conversation about influencers, and we're going to get some bigger questions about influencers and the social media economy. Or as we call it here on Trending... The economy. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about Caroline Calloway and how she got all those followers. Now, each successful Instagram star will have a particular pull, the thing that makes people like them. Now, for some, it might be music or fashion or beauty, but Caroline's appeal was something like a fairy tale. She was an instant magnet to a certain type of young American woman who dreamed of studying in Europe, a dreamy lifestyle of men with traditional British accents, not you, Mike, the glorious architecture of the colleges of Cambridge, and she even made the grey skies and rainy weather that's synonymous with England romantic. Now, Anissa, I've been looking at her account, and I'm just going to take up my phone right now, just so we can sort of get a sense of what she's all about and describe some of her, I guess, most popular Okay, well, posts. while you scroll through Caroline's Instagram feed, we should mention that I did message Caroline to invite her onto the programme, but she didn't reply to our messages. Yeah, so... Um, Tell me what you're looking at. Here's one uh, of her sitting at a desk in Cambridge, and the caption is very, very long, right? She's talking about... I was back at Cambridge for my third and final year of art history, having hit the college accommodation jackpot. And there she is sitting at her beautiful desk looking out over a sunny English university town. Here she is at what looks like a a ball. She's in a nice gown with a... Her boyfriend, Oscar, who makes an appearance in a lot of these posts. Um, The captions underneath the pictures are stories. They tell these sort of long tales about 
what she's doing, where she's been, the drama of her everyday life as a student. And they're beautifully descriptive. They are they're written in a in a prosaic sort of you know literary way and they always end with that to be continued. So there's a hook and you're waiting for the next one. So this fairy tale lifestyle attracted a huge number of people to her page. I ended up scrolling through it one like Sunday afternoon and just becoming completely enchanted and enraptured by the whole thing and at that point, I think she was like traveling through Venice and hanging out with these Venetian princes and Sicilian counts and, you know, kind of writing all of this from the perspective of this totally awestruck American. And it was just something I really connected with and, and fell in love with immediately. This is Genevieve Wheeler, who's a freelance writer and a former superfan of Caroline Calloway. I'm a little bit of a kind of hopeless romantic. I like happy stories. I like happy endings. I like to believe that this kind of magic exists in the world. And Caroline really knew how to write a narrative around that. So I bought into it. And I knew, you know that not everything is perfect. You know that there are always going to be moments that are a little bit lonelier than she's describing or a little bit messier than she's describing. But I felt at the time that she did a pretty good job of kind of balancing like polish and grit in the story she was telling. Now, superfans, or stans as they're sometimes known, have an aspirational adoration towards their heroes. And Genevieve was no different. Did you want to emulate her? Did you want to be her? Oh my gosh, of course. A thousand percent. I mean, I wanted to emulate her writing. I wanted to emulate this kind of American in Europe, having this fairy tale experience. That was all something that was kind of tangentially happening in my life or kind of on the horizon. And so I wanted to ensure that, you know, when I studied abroad, I would have these similar kinds of adventures. And I think it's the type of thing that's just very ingrained in like young American girls, this idea of going to a foreign land and having a fairy tale experience. And Caroline was doing it and writing about it and, and in a very tangible kind of way. I think she inspired me to start writing details of my life in a different way um, and not just kind of jotting down events in a journal, but weaving a story around the things that happened to me. And that's something that I still take with me and I, I don't think I would have done had I not found her account. As a result of her Instagram following, Caroline Calloway was offered a book deal in 2015 to write about her life. It was reportedly worth half a million dollars, but two years later she backed out and chose to pay back the advance to the publishers. Her fans, inevitably, were very disappointed. They were long awaiting to hear Caroline's life story in book form rather than on an Instagram feed. Here's Genevieve Wheeler again. For me, the appeal was when she was writing and telling stories, and I would have read her book in a night, um, I have no doubt. I mean, she's not the most like exquisite writer in the world, but I think she tells stories very well. But the whole episode of the book deal was just an example of Caroline's persona. As much as she painted these sepia, picturesque scenes of an American living in London, her fans didn't mind the fact that she wasn't always completely perfect. They didn't care that she got this huge sum to write a book and then didn't do it. Taylor Lorenz is a staff writer for the website magazine The Atlantic, and she looks at internet culture. This is a girl that has been disorganized and is sort of plagued by disorganization and disaster. Anyone who has followed her for years knows that. Her audience knows that. Her signature style is this very oversherry, constant drama posting method. Okay, so a lot of romance and a lot of drama. Fast forward a couple of years and Caroline, according to her posts, is in need of some money. So she has an idea. She would tour around the United States, giving 
creativity workshops. Creativity workshops. This is right up your street, Mike. Better explain what exactly those are. So these were four-hour events with Caroline hosting. Attendees were promised handmade care packages that would include a mason jar with a packet of wildflower seeds, a lunch made by Caroline herself, homemade orchid-based flower crowns. Mm, and, my favourite. Yeah, I can see you in that. And a personal letter. Events were planned in cities across the US and she posted that European dates would drop soon. The cost of a ticket? Tell me. $165. It sounded like a plan. But then there were hints that things were starting to go wrong. I had a number of them get in contact with me, a couple who had actually been to the workshops and said that they'd been very disappointed with what had happened. They didn't feel like it was worth the massive amount of money. This week, we're looking at the story of Caroline Calloway, one of the first influencers on Instagram. So, Mike, we should recap... Caroline Calloway became famous for her Instagram posts about a fairy tale life in England. She went through ups and downs, all chronicled on her feed. But it was when she recently tried to host a series of creativity workshops that she got a tremendous amount of criticism online. I should also remind you that we did attempt to contact Caroline, but she didn't respond. So explain what happened with the creativity tour. Well, she held the first two dates in New York and Washington, and there were hints floating around that the events weren't quite as advertised. Shortly before the first event in New York, Caroline told fans she couldn't write them personal letters because they would take too long and she didn't have the time. As an alternative, she said she would make time to talk to everyone who attended at the end of the event and they could take a photo together. Not exactly what her fans had signed up for. No, and she documented the issues she was having on her Instagram stories, like how cooking for many people in her studio apartment was problematic. The superfood soul salads that were promised turned into carrots and hummus. And the orchid flower crowns disappeared when it turned out that she needed the money to pay for photographers. But some fans didn't mind at all. And they thought it was worth the money they paid because they knew what they were getting into. Some attendees on Reddit wrote that they had a lot of fun. But other fans were upset. And when the rest of the tour was cancelled, that's when the real backlash began, both from fans and from people like Hayley Donaldson. She's a freelance journalist in Scotland, and in a Twitter thread, she pieced together the whole story of the tour's failures. It went viral. Honestly, at the time when she'd announced it, I was just sort of in a can-you-believe-this kind of mood. And when I put it on Twitter, I really thought the only people that were going to talk about it were my friends who also knew who she was. Because at the time, I didn't name who she was in the original part of the thread. It was just kind of, oh, Instagram irritates me. Here's this thing that I think is worth talking about. And as the thread went on, I really did want to dig more into the particular problem I had. Not specifically with Miss Calloway, but it was more notions of, of the influencer economy. More about the influencer economy in a bit. Initially, Kaylee Donaldson, she didn't name Caroline Calloway in her tweets and just referred to her as scammer. Okay, so just to be clear here, there's no evidence that this was a scam or a deliberate ploy. In fact, we've looked into it and we think it looks just like, I don't know, disorganisation. Exactly. I mean, I put it to Kaylee when I spoke to her that maybe what happened was simply a mistake. Like you say, a disorganisation on the part of Caroline Calloway. I could have bought that if she had 
cancelled the tour and then learned something from it. She uncancelled it 24 hours later and then started to very specifically talk about me as being the source of all the problems, including selling a T-shirt with my name on it and encouraging people to pay $20 for it so that they could systematically harass me. The part about the T-shirts? Well, that's true. Caroline briefly tried to sell them before an online shop took them down. And again, we asked Caroline Calloway for comments on this and everything else we've been talking about, but she didn't respond to our messages. So as you can imagine, there was a huge amount of debate online about the cancelled tour and about Kaylee's tweets. Some people accused Caroline Calloway of disregarding her fans. Others continued to praise her. Kaylee was celebrated, but was also accused of being nasty or a bully. What was most disappointing to me in this is how, and this is one of the reasons I have, I'm done with the Fred and I'm, I'm on social media sabbatical for a while. One, it's my mental health and frankly feeling fret but second is i was very disappointed by how this narrative which was specifically what this influencer is doing is systematic of much larger problems it became look at this cat fight between the bully blogger and the wide-eyed influencer and i understand that maybe the fred was a little too snarky if i got if i could turn back to it, i think i would have focused exclusively on in a journalistic way if i'd known that i was going to be writing about it or covering it this gets us back to the big issue influencers It's a word you might have heard of. It's a topic we've covered here on Trending a lot. But what exactly are they? Here's Taylor Lorenz again. She's a staff writer for the magazine The Atlantic. An influencer is anybody that leverages their social following to make money or influence people. So, you know, you could have a social following of 2,000 followers and be doing that, or you could have a following of 2 million, 20 million and more. You know, they share a lot more overly personal stuff. They have a much more sort of like peer-like relationship with their audience than traditional celebrities. This is a key difference between traditional celebrity and the kind of fame that these Instagram influencers have. Unlike traditional celebrities, they have a much deeper relationship with that person. So influencers are much more likely to overshare. They can often speak directly to their fans. They'll engage directly with questions. They'll respond to DMs. And they kind of share a lot more about their personal day-to-day lives than most celebrities do. You can still aspire to live an influencer's life, but you have a much deeper relationship with them than a traditional Hollywood actor, where maybe you see them in movies sometimes, but you don't know what that person ate for breakfast necessarily. Taylor Lorenz points out that influencers are big business. People just love to roll their eyes at anything that young people and women like. And I think that those are two of most of influencers sort of core audience. It's so easy to kind of like scoff at this stuff or, you know, laugh things off. And influencers are constantly like the butt of a joke, right? But this is set to be an almost $20 billion industry, at least in the U.S. by 2020. Like these are people that are making an enormous amount of money and wield enormous power over their sometimes millions and millions and millions of fans. So, you know, it's worth respecting the industry. And I think it's completely great to be critical of it, but not dismissive of it. It's a point that was underscored this week by news that authorities in the UK gave a stern warning to influencers for not clearly identifying that some of their posts were advertising. Yeah, this is a pretty interesting story because there was actresses and pop stars on Mm. that list, but also people who owe their fame purely to their online activities. The vlogger Zoella, prominently on that list. 
So governments are getting interested in influences, Mike, and even regulating what they say and how they operate. Now, I should say here that Caroline Calloway does do sponsored posts, but she's been very clear in marking them as such. But her tour was another way in which influencers make money. Mike, I mentioned before that Caroline Calloway was one of the first influencers on Instagram. So I think we should map out some kind of timeline here. Instagram started in late 2010 and early adopters would have known about it at the time. Aha. Now, do you want to know when I put my first post on Instagram? Okay, when did you do that? December 2010. This makes you very happy because it makes you an early adopter. I am an early adopter, not only of Instagram, but of other things. What was just, the photo? Just pointing out. What was the photo of? It was actually a really dull photo, as people's Instagram photos were at the time. It's just my wife. She's sitting on the couch. She's, I don't know, staring into space or watching TV or something. That's all. This is very good to know. <laughs> so let's go forward. In 2012, the company was bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. But even when Caroline Calloway set up her account the following year, it was still something of a niche app. It wasn't in the headlines every day like it is today. And of course, these things move so fast online. So even though we're talking about an account that's barely five years old, Taylor Lorenz from The Atlantic magazine says that Caroline Calloway is part of an older generation of Insta-influencers. She was from a totally different generation of influencers before this entire infrastructure was built around them. So she was from this early, early, like sort of generation of influencers when like people were just blowing up. These personalities were just starting to get popular and there wasn't this entire infrastructure being built around them. Now for modern influencers, they're very aware of monetization. They're very aware of like who their audience is. They're very strategic about it. Caroline is from a different world. She was from an early world. Like she blew up way before any of this came to be. So it doesn't surprise me that she kind of botched it because she was almost too early and her audience now is mostly inactive. So she has this like very core group of fans that have been with her for a long time and know that she's like a disaster, but she's not a modern influencer, like at all. But that's not to say that she's completely irrelevant. In fact, Taylor says that Caroline and people like her paved the way for Instagram stars who now make a lot of money advertising brands. The lifestyle influencers of today, like they couldn't have gotten where they were without people like Caroline Calloway in 2015, pioneering the stuff that she did, like these oversharing long Instagram captions, just capitalizing on her life and the access that she had, you know, being at Cambridge um, to this kind of like aspirational lifestyle. Like the influencers today have taken that and blown it up times a million and monetized it in a way that Caroline never could um, because she's from this like old guard almost. I wanted to run one more thing by Taylor. This beef between Caroline Calloway and Kaylee Donaldson, the journalist who wrote the thread that exposed this whole story to a broader audience. What did Taylor think about the whole feud that sprang up with T-shirts being printed and tweets flying back and forth? I guess the good and bad of the internet, of all of these open broadcast-based social media platforms like Twitter, it's like if you do want to criticize someone or, or do some takedown thread, be prepared because that person has fans. So they're going to come after you. When I pushed her, 
Kaylee Donaldson admitted she did have some sympathy for Caroline. They've both posted, for instance, about anxiety and mental health. But Kaylee has a larger point because she's definitely a critic of the influencer economy. The thing about the influencer economy that I find so particularly insidious is how highly unregulated it is, how quickly it has now become the norm in terms of advertising and marketing and just the basic act of being a celebrity, but also how much of it seems to be aimed at very, very young users. I wish there were easier solutions for that, but I think in terms of small, tangible steps that can be done in regulation of the influencer economy in a much bigger way is going to be needed and it's going to need to happen very quickly. While Caroline didn't respond to our messages, she did talk to BuzzFeed. In that interview, she said... I wanted to create an experience that would be my perfect weekend day with cosy acoustic music and a plant-filled space. If I had known how hard it was, I never would have tried. She also said that she's sending individual letters of apology to people who attended the workshops. Now, after all the drama, her creativity workshops are back on. For now, only in her home in New York, she said she'll focus on rescheduling the dates in other cities where she cancelled. I wonder, though, if her influencer brand, if we can call it that, will be affected. Well, I'm sure some fans will shun her, but others will remain loyal. Just look at YouTuber Logan Paul. We've covered him on Trending. He posted a hugely controversial video showing the body of a dead man in a forest in Japan. Now, at first, he was stopped from making money from advertising on his YouTube videos. But then he apologised and he's probably as popular as ever. There's an old saying, there's no such thing as bad publicity. My thanks to reporter Anissa Subadar, our colleague Naomi Palace, who gave us that story at the beginning, and our production coordinator, Shannon McCormick. The program was recorded and mixed by James Beard. Please get in touch. Tell us what you thought about this podcast. You can send us a tweet or a Facebook message. And if you want to read some of the other stories that we've been working on, visit our page, bbc.com slash trending. And if you enjoy this podcast, you can shout it from the rooftops or actually, more practically, just leave us a review and a rating. It helps spread the word, helps people find the episode you just heard and many others beside. And if this podcast hasn't been dramatic enough for you, how about this one? The monarch. Many wish the Shah to fall. Hope for revolution. The frightened. You can smell the fear. Do you now see why I must be firm with my people? Please, I, I am innocent. Lie down on the table. Lie down on the table now. The insurgent. My country suffers. He stands against the Shah, doesn't he? My country burns. What does he stand for, though? That's a question for later. And a story that reverberates throughout the world today. I have one purpose only, to execute God's revenge on this earth. The BBC World Service presents Fall of the Shah, a podcast drama about the 1979 Iranian Revolution. He's not here! He's not dying here! Stop them! Stop! Listen to the preview now by searching for Fall of the Shah wherever you found this podcast. And from us here on Trending, that's all for now, but we'll be back in your feed very soon. Thanks for listening.